testing. Poo, poo, poo. <laughs> oh, that is the least dignified testing known to man. Welcome to episode 43 of Neurotic Tornado. If I'm tracking the Neurotic Tornado schedule correctly, this podcast episode should go live just a week or two before my book gets released. My novel, I Only Cry with Emoticons, comes out June 7th, 2022. And uh, we record these, you know, a few weeks before they go live so that I can edit all the stupid parts. Anyway, I thought this would be a great time to talk about depression and anxiety. Uh, Two very close friends of mine. That's the depression and the anxiety, by the way. And uh, depression is something I've lived with for a lot of my life, even though I don't currently suffer from it too seriously. But I am intimately familiar with anxiety right now. And so I thought it would be a fun little treat for us to talk about depression and anxiety up in my attic. A quick caveat is that we do not have all the answers here. I'm going to put some links in the show notes in case you want to understand the subject better or if you are seeking professional help. This is just a reminder that if you have any real concerns, you should see a therapist and don't just listen to this episode over and over and over again with the hopes that it'll cure you. If anything, it'll probably make it worse. I thought that today, tell me if you feel like this is a problem. We could start with a lot of um, listener questions. <laughs> no. That's, uh, yeah, that was a test yes. to see if you are aware of the fact that we have no listener questions. Or nor any way for listeners to contact us. <laughs> Yeah, so we don't have enough listeners to actually get people asking us questions. We could do it like an Ask Me Anything episode sometime, but we'd really have to like pry those questions out (laughs) of our small, small set of listeners. Yeah. Well, you know, give it a shot. All right. Well, today I thought maybe we could talk about depression and or anxiety. All right. Sounds like fun. The the problem is, is I use those terms a lot, but I don't know really if I'm anywhere accurate in using those terms for actual depression and actual anxiety. Yeah. So you might have to come in with some notes. You might have done some (laughs) research, whereas I just need to just tell dumb jokes. Is that cool? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Depression and anxiety walked into a bar. You can't tell the jokes. <laughs> oh, sorry, I it better not up. be too funny and be <laughs> mostly informative. I don't. I don't know the second answer. <laughs> it is a good setup for a joke. Yeah. So, I bet it is a joke. We'll have to look it up later. Nice. Depression, anxiety, and malaise walk into a bar. Oh, I like that one even better. Yeah. So I claimed that I would have a rough outline, and I didn't bring an outline. But maybe I could tell you a little bit about my history with actual and maybe not actual depression and anxiety? Yeah. So I know 30 years ago when I started college, I didn't know I was depressed. I just thought my life was completely miserable. And so it made sense that I'd wake up every morning hating to be alive. Mm. I just thought, yeah, of course, uh, I have that coming because I'm suffering, whether it's a long distance relationship or not knowing how to make friends at school and being scared being hundreds of miles from my home for the first time, 
alone. Uh, I just didn't get it. So I thought, you know, I just hate being alive every morning, just waking up going, oh God, it's me again. And then, so then I sought, I sought, I, I, I got therapy. I realized something was a little off. I don't remember who told me. Yeah. I was going to ask if you thought it was normal. When did it shift? I just think, you know, I was like, if I can find any way to help this thing go away. And so I went to see a therapist. I took some antidepressants and um, and I started to understand a little more about emotional issues and, you know, that you don't have to always suffer at such an extreme level. So, so you know, that happened a long time ago. And I've been, you know, on and off for 30 years working through it. But, you know, I don't as much wake up with that hate existing feeling. It's pretty rare. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Yeah. It really sucked because it was like any dream I could have was like better than my reality. Yeah. So, you know, I could be running away from a monster while lava chasing me and a tidal wave coming ahead. But then I'd wake up and be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> now my real life. Um, yeah. And as for anxiety, you know, I've always been just nervous, like around people, like the stage fright kind of thing. But I get it in many different ways. And now with the politics or what's been going on in the political landscape for the past six years or so, you know, I'm just perpetually working through anxiety. What I realize is that I use the terms depression, anxiety all the time for my condition. And I know I experience depression, anxiety in some ways, but I think I'm also just using it casually. I, I don't really know, like, do therapists have a boundary for like what counts as depression and anxiety? And Well, you know, they're, they've created a diagnostic criteria. Is there a picture of me? <laughs> yes. You're next to many of the criteria in the book, which is what makes it so confusing. I think it's a little gray or it's not completely clear, right? There are coexisting. I think they were created initially just to help research. Like if a person has this, does this help? But so there are some diagnostic criteria. I think some of the time people come in and just say, I'm really anxious or I've been depressed for a long time. It's like they... They come in and tell me their diagnosis, and and we go we go with that unless unless they see something that I disagree with. But um, but yeah, there's some very specific ones. One broad thing I think is that depression seems like it is like slowed down, right? People and some of the diagnostic criteria reflect that, like that your movement, you're kind of immobilized, like you. Wait, so depressed people slow down? Yeah. Oh, I at first I thought you meant like. The number of people who have depression has slowed down. No, so I was like, oh, people no, aren't depressed? This no, seems like an awful no, time no. to live. Okay. Every, everyone's depressed. Okay. I like so, how you just you just tucked that statement in there. This seems like an awful time to live. <laughs> yeah, huh? just, of course it's awful right now. You should be – if you're not depressed, you've got a serious condition of another kind. Oh, okay. So so things are slowed down. So like sex drive is a common one I hear about with depression. Probably. But, it's but, not listed in here, but it oh. does say uh, diminished interest or pleasure in all or almost all activities most of the day, almost every day. Like all the things you used to enjoy, including sex, apparently. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, don't, you know, don't sound so fun anymore. But I think it's almost like that immobilization is part of it. Like it's like, you know, it's just hard to get motivated to do anything. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And so a lot of times... I guess depression is just by definition in comparison to another time in your life. Yeah. So if you 
if you come out of the womb depressed, <laughs> we'll never know. Uh, no, uh, but I mean, so you, you you look at a time where you weren't this way, and you can see, oh, some things have slowed down. I'm less excited about doing stuff or seeing people. Yeah, right. There's a number of other criteria. So in my mind, one of the ways to perceive the difference or to feel into the difference is that like depression feels kind of slower and heavier and anxiety is like, um, you know, people are restless, they're keyed up, either can have sleep difficulties, but anxiety is more likely to have sleep difficulties. It's like you're a little, you can't stop the worry. I see. So one is more of like an amping up and one is more of a, like a slowing down. Yeah. Huh. I hadn't thought of it that way. I don't think I hear many people say anything positive about, about depression, but I hear people say like anxiety is a way to get yourself motivated to do something. And sometimes, you know, you do have like anxiety over getting a paper ready. You know, you can have anxiety without it being a diagnosis that you have. Yeah. There's a way you can have anxiety that's helpful and maybe even healthy at a certain amount. Yeah. And then it becomes unhealthy when... Well, uh, you know, you can be anxious about an event or it's normal to be anxious. Like the first time I had to give a presentation in a class, like I didn't sleep that night and I just was so anxious about it. But that's not my normal state of things. It's like a there's an inciting event and the anxiety is appropriate to that event. The the inappropriate amount is when it does what? Every day or most oh, days. Like. I see. I was also thinking, so you're saying the frequency, there's also like how intense it is. Like, yeah. cause I can tell, like, I, I, I can sometimes have a healthy amount of stage fright before having to do a reading or something. And then there's another where I'm just so freaked out. I'm about to pass out. Like, yeah. like my chest is all tightened and. Yeah. And intensity, you're right, is another, you know, frequency and intensity. Like, you know, on both of these things, part of what makes it a diagnosis is that it gets in the way of your functioning, like in your work or in your social life or in your, you know, it's getting in your way. That's interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, like even though I've suffered from both of those things a lot, I used to be more like depression was my main thing that was kind of making life difficult. And now I think it's anxiety that I'm like, I see the news, I see something that just happened and I'm my chest tightens up and I'm pacing and I'm kind of not breathing, right? Yeah. You know, by the time we met, you'd already had 27 therapists. Nice. That, that's literal. That is a literal number. Didn't I have, I forget if I already wrote this into a book or not, that I uh, had more therapists than lovers. So I used to be proud of the number. It's like I had three times more therapists than yes. I, people I've had sex with. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's accurate. Um, but so you already had had quite a bit of treatment before we met. Yeah. <laughs> In my awareness of you, you are a more anxious person than a depressed person. Like you are speedier and you get stuff done. Like I, I have known you to be so immobilized most of the time. And so I'm curious if that, if you can look back at when you consider yourself to have been depressed, was that part of it? Yeah, I think the transition, and I think you met me at the very thing that shifted me out of it, which is we met at a writing table, a writing group, oh. and tapping into writing shifted the depression. Darling, you're supposed to say that it's me, that it was me. Oh, it me. was you. Yeah, it was you. There was, to, you know, a side effect of meeting you was there was a writing group around you. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. And I don't know which of the two. No, but I think that on a serious, you did help my uh, many things in my life. 
But I, I do think that learning how to write about my emotions gave those feelings a kind of a purpose or a point to them. You know, so like when something heavy's going on, it would go into a story and it wouldn't ooze into me completely. I mean, I think that's it. Part of the depression was the bottling up of it mm. and thinking I couldn't talk or share or reveal what this feels like. I mean, I sure continued to have many emotional problems, but that kind of depression mostly passed or shifted. Yeah, and it's like the, the in my book, I Only Cry With Emoticons, I think that guy is depressed. And I think part of why it was easy for me to write that one is, you know, it's still very familiar. Like, it still feels like it's right, like I'm just like one step away from depression at any point. Yeah. You, I, I could ambush you with, <laughs> you could be married to a very depressed person tomorrow. But I think also the big thing in his life is he's gone through a breakup, uh, kind of sort of maybe divorce. And so my depression kind of coincided with re relationships falling apart. And mm. those phases were very difficult where depression sets in. And so as this guy is going through this breakup, I'm like, oh, of course, I know the depression he's going through. Yeah, I have not been in that state since we've yeah. been together. And I can see that about your character that he I mean, there's that feeling of being immobilized that he's really stuck. He doesn't. He's not happy at work, and um, he's not really facing that he got that his wife has left him, and he's just kind of stuck. And then, and he's not present with his kid in a certain way, and so, yeah. And I could see that I'm like a stone's throw away from that state, but luckily, you know me as just a, a very angsty, obsessive, <laughs> brooding person, but not. Uh, not as depressed. Okay, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. And so like when I say I'm depressed hearing the news, um, I think it's a little more about for me anxiety than depression. Although I do wake up sometimes thinking, oh God, our democracy is crumbling. People use the word depressed in a non-clinical sense yeah. to just mean I'm not happy or yeah. I had my mood was low this weekend. One thing I saw about depression when I was looking up the criteria is that there are feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt nearly every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you sound so excited. It's almost that. like I'm reminiscing about like, oh, yeah, that guilt, the level of how I'm doing stuff wrong. What was the first thing now that I got so excited about the guilt? I forgot the first thing you mentioned. Worthlessness. Worthlessness. Yeah. Yes. I think that's why I feel like I'm very close to being depressed a lot is I can shoot into a feeling of worthlessness pretty readily. Yeah. You know, like I get if some big shot reviews my book and says something bad, then I'm like, my book is bad. I'm bad. I'm worthless. What's the point in all this stuff I've done? And so I have to stop myself from sliding down that. Part of what I question about you, though, sorry for interrupting. Sliding down that chute. <laughs> okay, now now you can go. Uh, part of what I question about you, though, is whether or not you have OCD, which also has dark feelings that go on with that. I think as humans, we get triggered into feeling a certain way, right? Like 
something that happens in your day brings up something that happened in your past. The whole reaction doesn't belong to that one event. Part of it belongs to the past. And that's why we get so upset because it just, it brings up something else as well that we're, whether we're aware of it or not. I think that, you know, for you, it brings up, like, I think those feelings of worthlessness, I question whether that's depression or whether that's part of obsessive thinking. And that when that obsessive thinking gets triggered, you get kind of a spiral about the topics on which you you know, are your painful, obsessive thoughts. Do you realize it always has to come back to OCD with you? <laughs> no, no, that, that is interesting. I I mean, I think one thing that you've helped me understand is that the, this obsessive thinking can, can come up in many different ways, in many different disguises in a way, like that I don't realize the obsessive thinking is either a part of it or the root cause of it. Yeah. And so in this case... What you're saying is the obsessive thinking is maybe the culprit, not the culprit, but what I what I'm battling more than uh, depression. Yeah, because when I see these things, and again, you're saying that you think you had this before. Maybe you had. Okay, I'm just going to read you the criteria kind of quickly. Yeah. Depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day. Yes. Diminished interest or pleasure. Yes. Significant weight loss when not dieting or weight gain. No. A slowing down of thought and a reduction of physical movement. And this can be observed by others. It's not just subjective. Fatigue or loss of energy nearly every day. Those feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt nearly every day. Diminished ability to think or concentrate or indecisiveness. Recurrent thoughts of... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just make a joke about indecisiveness, but I couldn't do it fast <laughs> enough. Sorry, go. Uh, do you want to try again? No, I'm too indecisive about it. Uh, reoccurrent thoughts of death, reoccurrent suicidal ideation without a specific plan or a suicide attempt or a specific plan for, anyway, things related to suicide. Yeah. Yeah, I, I for sure had those. I think, though, obsessive thinking just exacerbated it because... You know, I'd feel worthless, but I, I would also be spiraling in like what someone said or did. So for sure I had that, but I also didn't want to be alive. Yeah. And that was not as much of an obsessiveness as much as it's just a feeling, like just a general feeling, like, why do I have to be here? Did you not want to be alive because you felt worthless? Yeah. So I just think, I mean, this, it's even your brand is um worthlessness kind of thank you i I didn't (laughs) thanks for making me feel awful about myself (laughs) um let's hear if you get triggered uh, on the air i'll be like you know i like when i when i do my book readings i'd be like well my wife tells me that my brand is worthlessness. <laughs> I thought it was pride, uh, but she it turns out she thinks it's worthless. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, nope. Uh, yeah, anyway, so I'm just curious about, you know, and there's always an overlap, or not always, there, there can be overlap between diagnoses or conditions, whatever you want to call them. And so so it's not like it only has to belong to one thing. But, but just to, to circle back around, so... You're saying if the not wanting to be alive feelings is connected to the worthlessness, you're thinking that the um, the obsessive thinking could have brought this about. Is that what you're saying, or what were you, what's the big deal that the that worthlessness is what brought up? I guess I think something that I have perceived in you for 
since we met, is that um, you both have some feelings of worthlessness and you also have... Some worthiness. Some worthiness, yeah. And in fact, the worthiness kind of gets insulted if someone else thinks you're worthless. Yeah, it's a a very tricky... (laughs) It's very tricky territory. Maybe one notion is like, when the depression goes away then is it like worthiness all the time? Like if that's a symptom of your depression, when you're not depressed, then you feel worthy. Oh, right. And that's not quite right either. So what does that mean? If I can feel worthless and then not be depressed? <laughs> and worthless, that's the, Wow, this is getting really complicated. <laughs> that's the name of your memoir is like worthless on a good day. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good. I, I mean, this is our depression and anxiety episode, and I'm talking about OCD again. Yeah, you really spoiled the party. Yes, yeah, Your sorry. OCD. No, no. It's interesting, though, to see how these things interoperate. Yeah. It's a really hard diagnosis for people to detect OCD. Which, you know, I read on one of the big OCD like professional websites that it takes 17 years for most people to get diagnosed with it. But that's really? how long they go, yeah. And f- and with your clients, it's like 17 minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, hi, it's nice to meet you. I think, yeah. I mean, I think for for many people, worthlessness could be a part of depression or is a part of their depression. I just think for you that, that although it could make you depressed to feel worthless, that it really belongs to something different than's hap- than is happening in your brain. And that's where the the obsessive thinking could be a part of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I've never thought of that. I'm just going to have to rewrite my whole platform. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worthless, not because of depression, but because of obsessive thinking and a few other conditions <laughs> will be my new tagline. All right, nice. Tagline. Yeah, that's a little clunkier, I admit. So you sound like you just think you're anxious about The political climate. That's one of many things. There's the political climate. There's just even day-to-day life. If we have to get a new, like, hot water heater, you know, I'll freak out a little bit about stupid stuff like that. You know, I get chest pains. I have to control my breathing so I don't get lightheaded. But news for sure. Yeah. The leaked stuff from the Supreme Court, I mean, you know, that was just days of trying to manage this physical feeling that was hard, hard to control. I call it anxiety. Well, and it has a something I associate with anxiety is it casts into the future. Like, it's not just like, you're not upset that there was a leak. Like, you're upset about the contents and what that means into the future. Right, yeah, and I've calculated what happens each year from here on out until the destruction of our democracy. <laughs> and, then I, and then what I correlate with anxiety is a negative prediction about the future. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What could be positive about the future? Right. Yeah. No, it's mostly negative. Although there's also anxiety associated with like my book launch that is, you know, like book events. I'm very nervous about them. But there's also excitement about them. So that's not like I'm completely for sure going to bomb. Yeah. I'm just maybe going to bomb. But most of my anxiety is around negative Yeah, I think excitement doesn't feel that different from anxiety in a way in that it like has a tightness in the chest and that anxiety predicts like I am going to bomb at that or people aren't going to like it or maybe not enough people are going to show up. Like it's all negative. Oh, thanks for reminding me about those (laughs) those details. No problem. Right, right. That's true. You know, so I don't see the depression so much in you because the writing has helped improve that. But anxiety, you know, when you say I'm kind of a nervous person. I think you're a very anxious person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. 
is nervous that because that's different? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I don't think there's a diagnostic criteria for nervousness, <laughs> so I, I'm not. I can't talk about it. Nice. Well, for anxiety, what would you like to talk about other than we've agreed that I have anxiety? Don't you have anxiety sometimes? I have situational anxiety, but I think I have a, like, it's all going to be fine kind of setting of, I don't know what to call it, like dissociation or avoidance of just being like, it's all going to be okay. Yeah, it's so funny to see how we react to things because you like avoid or back off or say it's fine and... I'm coming at it with like, don't you see how fucked we are? (laughs) And uh, both of us are kind of not quite looking at the thing as it is in a way. It just feels better to be me. Yeah, I was about to say, (laughs) my my way is less fun. (laughs) I'd rather be numb to it than feel it all in its extreme uh, apocalyptic form. <laughs> yeah. If this, if you agree with this, check out my podcast. It's great to be avoidant. No. <laughs> <laughs> we could have like a split podcast. Like the first session is neurotic tornado and then uh, avoidantly numb. No, I don't right. know what you I call. only need like two minutes though to just be like, everything's it's, it's fine. Okay. Uh, things have been happening politically for a long time. It goes up, it goes down, you know. Thank you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> No questions. Um, (laughs) That's right. I'm sure you don't have any questions. So, yeah, I I guess I do have... Anxiety is the big thing I'm managing these days out of these two categories of things we're talking about. Do they feed into each other? Anxiety and depression? I like to to put them in a sandwich together, you know, (laughs) like when I talk about stuff. But they're two different toppings. I mean, sorry, my sandwich metaphor is not working. But yeah, that's a very yucky sandwich. They're two different things that don't necessarily overlap because one's like a downer and one's an upper. I've heard people talk about them that way before, like the energy of them is different and they're incompatible. But they're, they can be co-occurring. You know, depression is nothing's going to turn out good. Nothing's, you know, it's yeah. not worth doing anything. I can't. You know, yeah. I wish I wanted to do that, but I just can't get, you know, yeah. get excited. And anxiety is like, oh, that would turn out terrible if I did that. Or, you know, I'm not going to be any good at it. And Yeah, I see. I could picture having them both at the same time. I'm sure I've had that before. It's it's just kind of a, like your body. It's kind of a crazy sensation because you're charged up and low at the same yeah. time. But I can sure feel it happening at times. Here's part of what I find myself getting curious about and that, that I do not know the answer to, and I, that I wonder if physiologically they're different, like that even the chemicals that hmm. connect them, that that's part of what makes them. Well, you'd be glad to know I brought in a new guest to our podcast. Oh, great. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, I didn't. No, but it, it does make sense that biochemically something slightly different is happening. Yeah. That might inform that. I have been remembering this moment some years ago, like a decade ago, when I asked you, okay, I read something that said half an hour of moderate exercise all or most days of the week is a recommendation to like decrease feelings of depression and anxiety. And um, would you be willing to do that? Cause you'd have- <laughs> I, I don't even remember my response, but I can't wait to hear what it was. <laughs> um, your response was like, well, I can't do that, but I'd be willing to do 20 minutes of more intense exercise two days a week. <laughs> I remember it just kind of like, <laughs> like this isn't a negotiation. Like, like then I'm like, well, then I'll then it can decrease if you you know if that's I'm all like you a can lawyer do. or something. <laughs> <It> totally was. 
Yeah. I, I was confident that I had a bad answer. I just don't remember what it was. <laughs> I think I just didn't see it coming that way because, you know, I knew you couldn't exactly, like, I don't think you could exactly have said, like, I'm not going to exercise. No, I won't do that or something. But um, for sure, I know that, you know, you value your time and have a lot of stuff you want to do with it. Yeah. I just couldn't picture, picture how to squeeze it in. And, you know, I think this is the big problem for me with all these feelings is my first response is to treat that thing I'm suffering about as me. And so you're diminishing. I mean, again, I mean, this is a common theme with a lot of the times, the first time you're trying to help me, you know, my my reaction is like, fuck you for trying to stop me from being me. Or, you know, there's something where I'm protecting this suffering thing. And so first reaction is like, no, I can't do that. I can't work it in. Can't you see I'm busy here? Or, you know, whatever yeah. is going on. But then after processing it, or maybe even reluctantly doing it, oh, I'm happier. Or, you know, yeah. I am better. And that state I was in does not have to be my perpetual state of yeah. existence. Yeah. And I think that was just once again, something where my first reaction wasn't graceful or open. Yeah, now I it's very clear to me that exercise helps my mood, helps my anxiety, helps my migraines, helps my back pain. It tackles so many of my problems. Yeah. E- even so, it's still so a challenge to work it in, but uh, you know, I'm still trying to most days. I would just say I think you started exercising for mostly motivated by other reasons, like low back pain or because it'll make a migraine go away. I think it's unlikely that you're like, well, I feel kind of sad today. I think I'm going to go for a run. But you're like, oh, I'm about to have, I can feel a migraine coming on. Like you got a more powerful motivation. Yeah. But it had the side effect of... Oh, and it turns out I'm happier. Yeah. 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 A few things about that. Yeah. And one thing is probably these physical and emotional elements are intertwined in some way, you know, so the migraines might also be tied to things. The other thing I wanted to clarify, since we've mentioned a few times that I go running for migraines, I just want to clarify that this isn't a common remedy. You know, my neurologist was kind of surprised, like, oh, really? (laughs) But also... It only works in certain types of migraines, and I have to catch it early, you know, so like it can't be a full-on migraine. It's more like the sensations I get, which means I'm going to be screwed in a few hours. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that because we talk about me running for migraines. I just want to clarify, it is a weird way to deal with a migraine. It just happens to work for me. Yeah, so, um, so bring it on home. Okay, so in conclusion, depression and anxiety. (laughs) How's that? Yeah. (laughs) No, I I mean, I do think it was interesting. I mean, we wandered a bit, like kind of like we always do. But I think it was kind of cool because, for one, you helped me separate depression and anxiety a little bit more clearly. And obsessive thinking made a cameo appearance again. <laughs> but, I, well. but I think that's important just to uh, think that through as a, a co-conspirator in all of this. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have any good conclusions, except I think we covered some cool ground. Yeah. I'll be leaving these um, notes about depression and anxiety up here with you so you can just kind of look over the criteria I feel like this is the point where you basically like drop the mic and then I have to like clean up and edit everything together. But I like doing that. Yeah, I was going to say this is exactly that that point. <laughs> well, thanks. Any final words while we're here? No, no, I think that that was it. Cool. Well, thanks yeah. again. Yeah. Uh.
sleep apnea, it's pretty bad And I got depression and I'm usually sad I get a lot of headaches Quiet in here I got a bad back pinch nerve brings me to tears I got a funny feeling in my arm And I got no energy to use my charm They've got to pay my bills Taking too many pills I don't have the energy to get up that hill This is all my bullshit for 